0: With you. And I want to welcome you, and if you're uh, following my live stream today, I want to say uh, welcome, and I hope that you had a great Christmas and looking forward to a great new year. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7 will be our scripture today. We're going to hold off reading that scripture until just a little bit later. Right now, I want to do a call and response to you. I'm going to say something pointing to myself, and then I'm going to point to you and ask you to repeat after me, okay? Don't be scared. It's not that complicated, all right? Okay, here we go. Repeat after me, please. God loved. God, loved. God, gave, God gave. With grateful hearts. With grateful hearts we, receive. we receive. See, that wasn't hard, was it? As a matter of fact, it's so easy and so simple, and it's such the essence of the message of Christmas. I wanted you to just say that out loud today, that God loved and God gave, and with grateful hearts, we receive. I hope that sometime during this week that you were able to remember that, remember the gift of God, to just reflect on the fact that loving and giving about with grateful hearts receiving what other people are giving to you is what Christmas is all about. It's what it's meant to be, to remember that. To I hope beyond that that you were able to spend some time with people that you love, people that are are family and people that are just like family, people that you consider family, people you just enjoy hanging out with at some point, And at some point this week, I hope you were able to see Christmas through the eyes of a child. That is what makes it special. I, one of my favorite uh, memories of this Christmas was being over at my mom's and seeing my two of my little nephews, uh, Charlie and Keaton, doing the happy little boy dance. There's a there's a particular dance that little boys do that they don't care if anybody's watching. They're just dancing up a storm. And uh, getting to see them do that in front of the Christmas tree um, is special. The wonder, the joy, and the delight. So whether or not you were able to enjoy all of that this week, today I want us to think about what's going to be happening day after tomorrow going into the new year. I don't know about you. It seems like I've always got New Year's resolutions that I want to make or some kind of goals that I have in mind. Some of you are rolling your eyes right now thinking at the thoughts of making New Year's resolutions. Maybe, just maybe, you can identify with these two guys in this video I want you to watch with me. Okay, uh, first of all, I think that guy was sitting right behind us at the football game yesterday. Uh, <clears throat> but did you catch that at the end? Stop listing and start living. And I hope it also wasn't lost on you that it all starts in the basement, okay? Not at the top. In the very foundation, the very um, sub-level of our identity. And that's where my heart is today. Of all the goals that we have in... 2019 and i'm not saying don't set them it's great to set them but let's start with maybe we could all start with who we are and that is to start living like a child of the king in 2019 that's what paul was getting at and his letter to the galatians chapter 4 verses 4 through 7 will be the scripture we read this morning galatians 4 beginning with verse 4 but when the fullness of time had come God sent his son born of a woman born under the law in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir. Through God, the word of God for the people of God, thanks be to God. So there are some uh, fill-ins in your, in your outline. If you notice in your newsletter, there's uh, an outline with an acrostic from the word child and some fill-ins. If that's uh, helpful to you, then please join me in that. The first one begins with this. Christ made it possible for us to be a part of the family of God. Christ made it possible for us to be a part of the family of God. I got to thinking about what is is it that you do to become a part of any family, of a family? I mean, think about it. There are really three ways you can become a part of a family. One is you just are simply born into it. You didn't do anything. You didn't ask for it. You were born into it. Uh, Just life gives you that privilege. Jesus was the only begotten son. We know that. He is the son of God by nature. We're not. But in a very real way, we get to be born into the family of God by being born again, being born of the Spirit. Now, if that's a little hard for you to understand, don't feel bad. You're not alone. It was a little hard for Nicodemus to understand, too, when Nicodemus came to to Jesus. And Jesus said, you must be born again. And he was confused. And he said, what do you mean I have to be born again? Do I have to go back inside my mother's womb and come out again? He said, no. Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's when you're born physically, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit when you're born spiritually. You become a part of an earthly family when you're born into this world, and then you become born from above. It makes you part of God's family. So one way to be in a family is to be born into that, and you and I are born into that when we're born spiritually. Isn't that cool? Isn't that great? Uh, And then, you know how you watch those late-night advertisements, and they say, but wait, there's more? So... I'm telling you that today. But wait, there's more. You also can be adopted into a family. And and the law gives you that privilege. You can legally be adopted into a family. Paul is writing to the church at Galatia. And he's he's telling them about this. And he's wanting them to think about their, pol- their policies and their law about adoptions in that Greco-Roman society. Uh, when he was telling them about that, he was emphasizing the sons and daughters part. He was telling them, look. You are not slaves you're you're not some some sharecroppers with an absentee landlord you're actually sons and daughters you're not orphaned you're not abandoned and left out to fend for yourself you're actually a child and you're adopted into the family you're not second class citizens when someone was adopted legally adopted in in that world in that day and time when Paul wrote these words, what happened was that child, the adopted child, took on all of the rights and the privileges of a natural born child. And the same goes for us when we are born spiritually and when, by the grace of God, we're adopted into the family of the king. We become the family of God twice over, you see. We're we're born, but we're also adopted into the family of the king. We didn't ask for either one of those, but we're given those to us. But wait, there's more, Okay. Because you also can marry into a family, right? You can marry into the family. And love gives you that privilege. In the Bible, there's a, a beautiful picture that's painted about the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church. In Ephesians chapter 5, and, then, and again in 2 Corinthians 11, and in Revelation chapters 19 and 21, the church is actually called the bride of Christ. It's like we are married into the family. When we become a part of the church... We are part, uh, it's like being married into the family. So we're given a part of the family by being born again, being born spiritually. We're adopted as children of the king. We become heirs to uh, the king. And then we're also married in as the bride of Christ. We're once, twice, three times the family of God. That is about as family as you can get, okay? I might say that also... um, Sometimes we don't feel that way, do we? As exciting as that is to hear, as exciting as is to say, some mornings we get up and we look in the mirror and we don't say, well, hello there, you heir of the king. Sometimes it's good morning, Lord, and sometimes it's good, Lord, it's morning, right? That brings me to the H of the acrostic, and that means the hearts of God's children bear witness and cry, Abba. So how do we know that this is really so, that we really are children of God? It's our hearts that bear witness, not our feelings, but our hearts. Uh, our hearts cry, Abba. I wonder if I could get you to say that with me. We don't say that much in our society today. Let me let me hear you say Abba. Abba. Now, if you're like me and you grew up in the 70s, you might be thinking of a Swedish pop group uh, named Abba, and you might be thinking, take a chance on me, or don't let this be my Waterloo, or something like that. Now, come on, y'all. Y'all have heard those songs before. I'm sending out an SOS here. But what Abba really is, is the Aramaic word for daddy. Aramaic was the language that Jesus spoke. And it was the Aramaic word for, for daddy. When Jesus prayed to the Heavenly Father, he used the word Abba. That sounds simple to us. We... We don't go around calling our earthly fathers father for the for the most part. It's usually dad or dad or pops or something like that. But it was radical in Jesus' day for someone to to think about calling their father Abba. That That kind of intimacy, that kind of connection. Because this was a typical Middle Eastern patriarchal sort of society. And the father was respected. And the father was feared. And the father was distant. And the children were to be seen and not heard. Here's... Here's kind of an example of of the way the father and children related in that day. Let's say in Jesus' day, if you had a son who who did something wrong, who did something that, that broke what his father had asked him to do, then the community had a way of punishing that child, that wayward son. It was uh, called the Ketsasa ceremony. And I wrote the word in your outline in case you were wondering about it. It's a ceremony where they would take a large clay pot and they would fill it with burnt nuts and, and, and burnt corn. If you have ever smelled something burnt like that, you know how off-putting it is. And they would take this pot and they would take this smelly burnt corn and burnt nuts in this clay pot over to the, to the wayward sun and they would smash that clay pot on the ground at the feet of that wayward sun. And the symbolism was there is that all of this unpleasantness is what you have caused your family and your community. You smell how badly that stinks. That's that's the smell that you are putting off. And the smashed clay pot is a symbol of that relationship that is broken that can never be glued back together again. And so once that clay pot was smashed at the feet of the sun, then what he was to do is to turn and leave the community and to never return again I'm telling you that because I want you to think about that story in Luke chapter 15 you see the story of the prodigal son that's what should have happened when the prodigal son came home Uh, instead of that though instead of that strict Middle Eastern patriarchal father the prodigal son had an Abba who loved him. As a matter of fact, I can picture in my mind the prodigal son's father running to meet him. Maybe one of the reasons he ran to meet him is because he wanted to outrun the community who had the clay pot full of burnt corn and burnt nuts. He wanted to beat them there so that instead of giving him the smashed pot, he could give him a hug and a kiss and a ring and a robe and sandals. relationship that's the abba crying relationship that dwells in each of us and you say well i don't feel that way all the time you know sometimes that relationship is buried under a bunch of clutter and stuff and like it gets to be around our house sometimes you have to move things around to find it but living inside of us Romans 8:16 says the spirit bears witness in our spirit that we are god's children So how do I know that I'm in the family? It's my heart crying, Abba. But wait, there's more. The I in the acrostic today stands for this. Inheritance comes with being God's children. Inheritance comes with being God's children. Now that may not make you excited, but it probably doesn't make my children excited. If my children are wondering about inheritance from from, me and Tammy, that's probably going to, we could take them and show them the stack of bills and say, one day all of this will be yours. But what if you were a child of the king? What if you were a child of the king? In verse 7 in Galatians 4, Paul writes, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Wow. Romans 8, 17 says that we are. We children, we are children, and we are heirs of God and co-heirs, joint heirs with Christ. Wow. What does that make us heirs to? Well, I want you to spend some time going into this new year thinking about your identity as an heir with Christ, being an heir of the kingdom of God, an heir of life forever, perfect communion with God. An heir of something that will never rust, that will never wear out, that will never be dependent on the stock market, that will never be something that a thief can break in and steal, that will never be something anybody can hack into and change. In short, you and I are heirs of all that the Father dreamed about in the Garden of Eden and all that will be fulfilled in the New Jerusalem all of that is our inheritance. Let that be the basement of everything that you build in 2019. So let's, let's kind of recap before we move on. Christ has made it possible for us to be a part of the family of God. Our hearts cry, Abba, bearing witness that we are God's children. And because we are children, we're also heirs. That is the core of our identity. Whatever else anybody else calls you in 2019, and you know the old saying, it doesn't matter what people call you, it matters what you answer to. Whatever else anybody calls you, know this, that you're a child of God. You're a child of God. So that's the C and the H and the I. The L and the D, as we close out, have to do with our posture before God. It's, it's the so what. It's, it's the therefore. If all of this is true, which I've just said, then how are we to go on from here? And the L means this. Learn to trust, to be content, and to wait. To trust, to be content, and to wait. If we really take this to heart, y'all, as children of the king, how are we going to live? How are we going to live? Are we going to live? be all puffed up and haughty and arrogant and say, "Wow, well, look at me i'm I'm child of the king." I don't think it's that at all. I think it's more like the posture that David takes, the psalmist, David, that man after god's own heart david who who knew what it was like to have heartbreak of his own, who knew what it was like to break God's heart, but he also knew that God would forgive him. Psalm 131 is something I read this week. It's beautiful, verses 1 and 2, Psalm 131. I want to share with you about, about David's posture before God. He writes this, My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. No proud hearts. No thinking I'm better than somebody else. No haughty eyes looking down on other people and judging them. Not even trying to understand things that I'm not able to that only God can understand. But instead, stilled and quieted on the inside like a weaned child in its mother's lap. Like a weaned child. Isn't that something? Why in the world would David write that? I think, I think maybe he's trying to get it. Being a weaned child in his mother's lap means that we're mature enough that we don't have constant anxiety, wonder about where our next feeding's coming from. We know. I think it also means that we're not always crying and squalling when our desires don't get met right away. I think it means trusting that mom has cooked up some delicious food for us and that we're going to be provided for and it's going to come in the fullness of times like Galatians 4, 7 says. And in the meantime, we can just rest in God's lap and we don't have to worry. We can trust and we can be content and we can wait. That's the posture of a child of the king. I have to confess something to you. God is really still working on me in this area because I'm still learning here. I'm sometimes not like that. I'm sometimes getting ahead of God and anxious about things and not at all like a weaned child sitting in his mother's lap. But God is working on me. That's how I want to be on the inside. The D is delight, delight in the family of God. I said in the beginning of this message that I hope that you were able to find an opportunity this Christmas to see Christmas through the eyes of a child, just with wonder and joy and delight. I really mean that. As much as everything else that I preach, I, I sometimes say this to myself. Ever before I say it to, to, to y'all, um, this, have you ever read something in scripture and it just kind of hits you like a two before upside the head and um, I was reading down in other verses in chapter four of Galatians and I saw verse 15 and that's what it did to me, it just kind of hit me. Paul wrote this um, to the Galatian church, what has happened to all your joy? What's happened to all your joy? For the Galatian church, they might have said, well, you know, there's this group of people that's going around telling us all. There was a group of people running around in Galatia. They were known as the Judaizers. And and what they were is uh, Jewish converts to Christianity who who believed that they were still bound to the ceremonial practices of the Old Testament. And they were going about telling everybody that, okay, you still, it's not just salvation. Uh, by grace alone through faith alone, but it, it's grace plus circumcision plus ceremony plus Jewish law plus all of this plus, 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 plus. And it became just a bondage to legalism, a heavy burden that is not at all like the new life and the freedom in the spirit that, that God wanted for them that Paul was writing about. What it did was just took all of the joy out of their living. Well, that was them but what about me i have to ask myself sam what happened to your joy and if i'm truthful I, I say well sometimes life just squishes it out of me it just squeezes it right out of there you know you got problems you got bills to pay you got aches and pains you turn on the news you see all this junk that's happening in the world and the evil and the grief and the hurting God says, you know, I'm your Abba. Why don't you trust me with all that? You're part of the family. Why don't you just enjoy it? I know that this time of the year we gather around the table and we have a little heartache. We look at a chair that's empty and we remember the person that used to be sitting there But you know, someday the whole family is going to be joined together again. Someday the whole family, what a day will that will be, right? What a day that will be. But in the meantime, couldn't we just delight, delight in being his child, being in the family ourselves? One time there was a movie theater, if you'll picture in your mind a movie theater, and and just before the movie starts, you know how they dim the lights, and they gradually get dimmer, dimmer, dimmer until it's completely dark, and coming in the back door of the movie theater, there's a a young man who's loaded down with popcorns, and drinks, and candy, and everything, and he thinks he can find his way, but then the lights just get completely dark, and he realizes he can't see, he can't see his way back, he can't find his way back home, and he walks down this way, and up the next way, and he's looking And after three or four trips, he finally just stops. And he calls out in a loud loud voice, does anybody here recognize me? Because he knows they can see him. He just can't see them. And finally, a voice in the dark says, yes, I recognize you. You belong to me. You're mine. I'm telling you that because there may be times this coming year when you forget who you belong to, when it's dark and you can't see the way, when you feel like crying out, is there anybody out there, anybody that recognizes me? And that's when I want you to remember, you do belong to somebody. You belong to your Abba. are part of the family. You're a joint heir with Christ. You have an internal inheritance. He has written your name into the palm of his hand. He has written you into his will. He claims you. Stand on that rock as you enter. before you today, knowing that whether we are young or old or hot or cold, we are your children, we're your children, no matter what level our education, no matter what our circumstances, we are your children, whether we're rich or whether we're poor, despite our abilities or our disabilities, whether we're big, small, short, or tall. Fat or skinny, saint or sinner, because of Jesus Christ our Lord, we are your children. All glory and honor to you. Amen. As we build into the new year, let's build.